Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth NFL podcast. I'm Manish Gupta. I'm Shrikar Rajendran. And today we've got not a big slate. Obviously, again, free agency has kind of died down, uh, and we're we're heading towards the thick of the offseason. First the draft, but then, you know, those those not cold summer months, but dry summer months because there's really no NFL talk. But we're going to milk the last couple months of the offseason while we can. Uh, and uh, for this week, uh, we're going to talk about things like the Saints and the Eagles trade, a couple free agency moves with Bobby Wagner and Devontae Parker. Uh, and we're going to give you a little bit of a snippet with some teams upcoming with their over-under totals, and we'll give our you know thoughts and predictions on whether their teams will go over or under. I think we got five teams up on the slate. Uh, so let's start off with the Saints and the Eagles, which... Uh, was just a really random draft trade. Uh, I got a notification like the middle of the day. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that the Eagles were not going to keep their back-to-back picks, right, in the first round, like 15 and 16. I thought they were going to move, if not move down, um, or, you know, at least get some capital off that. I thought that was just, it was just a pretty obvious thing. Uh, And they did. And the full trade details I got to pull up here. The Saints will receive the 16th pick. Uh, and the 19th overall pick uh, in this year's draft, as well as a sixth round pick in this year's draft. And then the Eagles get some capital this year and in the following years. So the Eagles move down two spots to pick 18. They give up their first round pick, uh, the third one, which was pick 19, uh, in exchange for a third round pick this year, pick 101, a seventh round pick this year, uh, a first rounder next year, and then a 2024 second, which we're seeing the value of second round picks now. It's, you know, it's increasing in value. So uh, I'll let Shrikar give his initial thoughts, maybe start us off. Maybe who won the trade? What are your thoughts on it? And uh, is it good for both teams in any way? And where should they go with it? Um, when it's all said and done, it's tough to see this as a win in terms of value for the Saints. I mean, they're giving up a load of premium picks over the next three years. While Philadelphia, you know, they're going from four first round picks over the next two years uh, <laughs> to having four first round picks over the next two years, just in a different order. Uh, but for Mickey Loomis, the intention is it, it's, they need a quarterback. New Orleans needs a quarterback. And if they have to overpay to land a guy they want, so be it, they're going to be willing to do it. Um, while I would say this draft class is light on top tier quarterback talent, you know, Loomis might see it differently. There's interesting prospects here led by Malik Willis and you got Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, However, if the Saints want Willis, I mean, they better have another big trade up their sleeve. He's raw, but he has elite upside. He has a rocket arm, top-notch athleticism. You know, there's teams that want him. In theory, the Saints can get to the fourth pick or maybe the fifth pick if they package their selections, provided, you know, the Jets or Giants would be willing to dance. Of course, both those teams, they're in rebuilds. They should welcome the additional capital. For Loomis and the Saints, though, Anything short of drafting a quarterback makes this trade make not much sense. New Orleans basically gave up a small fortune in draft picks and they need to figure out their future at QB. It's the game's most important position. And apparently the saints believe the time has come to make that happen. So I'd be pretty surprised if they don't select a QB or, you know, trade up for one year. Yeah. My initial thoughts, first of all, I thought the Eagles played this really good. Uh, you're just, again, accumulating capital over the years. That's what Miami did. I think the Eagles are following in their footsteps. Uh, and also, like, if you think about it, right, they're showing faith in Jalen Hurts in the, in the sense that, you know, we know you're not going to take a quarterback in with, you know, either of your two selections this year. But if he does not pan out, let's say 
because this is going to be his second year starting. Let's say he just massively fails. Because now that you have a nine-win season under your belt and you made the playoffs, you got to improve on that. Like it's anything short of missing the anything short of making the playoffs is regressing for Philadelphia. You know, say it how it is, but it's true because the NF, the NFL last year was pretty balanced and it was pretty tough. It was pretty tough to make the playoffs last year, and the Eagles did. Sure, they had a light the schedule and they the teams they beat weren't good, but hey, they did what they were supposed to do and they made the playoffs. Um, so, you know, there are some expectations and if Jalen Hurts can't deliver or he falters, right? Now you have two first round picks in a class in 2023 that's got a lot better quarterback talent. So I think uh, what Howie Roseman did and I guess Jeffrey Lurie, if he was part of this, just buy some time. And, and keep uh, it, I mean, on the flip side, I mean, if Jalen Hurts does, you know, if he pans out for the Eagles next year, you can get more talent around him this year, more talent around him next year. So it works yep. out perfectly for them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think in the Saints' mind, right, they're thinking to themselves, I mean, here's like the only reason you would give up next year's first for this year's first is you think the talent here is just you need it right away. There's maybe a player that they're looking at. They just think, okay, it's a slam dunk and we want to get him uh, with our pick right now. And maybe they think that their next year's first round pick is going to be even worse than what they have, what they're getting right now. Right. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I I frankly think it won't be like uh, I think they what they got the 16th pick. So they're basically saying that their next year's first won't be as good. Uh, but yeah, I think quarterback definitely has to be in consideration. And for the Saints, I think Pickett is a better fit. And the reason why I think that is just because the Saints need stability there, right? Like they, that's what they're going to look for. Because you don't want to, again, right? Denver, they did the same thing. They looked for upside and talent for the last five years trying to replace Manning, and they never could. Look for some stability. Pickett gives you that in some way. You have Alvin Kamara. You have Michael Thomas. Kenny Pickett can get the ball to those guys. Sure, Willis can give you some dynamic, you know, duel with him and Kamara out the backfield. But I think Pickett is a more stable thrower, someone that you can throw in right away uh, rather than having to develop Malik Willis. You don't really have a guy that you could redshirt him for. Uh, I think Pickett would be a better option here. So maybe that's why they're... Yeah, I think no matter what direction they go at QB, you got to sit them behind Winston for, you know, one one year, maybe two years. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they would. I'm not sure if Pickett wouldn't start right away. Like, really, if he dazzles in camp, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but, yeah, obviously, Winston will have a comfortable lead in that. I think the hope, though, is that you, they could sit behind Winston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also, I mean, with the second pick, you can go tackle. Uh, we Jack and I went back and forth on Trevor Penning. I, after watching it, and usually I don't concede to him very often. I did. I agree with him. Trevor Penning is not scheme friendly. Um, and I do agree. Brenhart, Raymond, or Ryman, however you say it, in the Bernard second round would be a good good guy to get in the second round. Um, I think, you know, you could definitely look for Olave. Talk to a couple Saints fans. I think they love Olave. You need that second receiver just because, again, Michael Thomas has been so iffy. And even before last couple of years, he was injury prone too. Uh, so yeah, you need that second guy, and Olave is a bona fide stud at wide receiver too. So that's right. I would love to see. Us. Yep, I would love to. Oh no, okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, Garrett I Wilson. Either. Garrett Wilson is one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Route runner. That's not sparking debate here, but I got Garrett Wilson as my route runner one. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, hey, it's time. it's an Ohio State receiver either way, so I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with. I think Olave would be the best fit for them. Uh, even though you know receiver it's pretty deep receiver class here but yeah i would like olave what are the picks they have now i believe they have the 16 and 19 and the 19th right i think so yeah because they moved up and then they got the eagles pick so yeah yeah. so yeah i think in one of those picks you can easily get um a picket and the lobby and the best part is right 
they're both ahead of the Steelers, right? So if the Steelers do want them, they'll have to go up because they're at 20. Yeah, so I think that's also what they're thinking. I think that's also a key little part in this trade, right? The number 19 and 16 that is ahead of 20. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think long-term Eagles, I love this trade. And uh, for the Saints, it really just depends on what you get with these two guys. They have to be hits. They have to. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I guess if, yeah, I think those are probably quick, quick thoughts on that. We're going to talk about the new overtime rules. Look in a progressive NFL, this was coming. I really didn't want to see this. Jack rubbed it in our faces that the rules would change. I didn't think it would. Uh, that's my fault for not believing in, you know, the progressivity of the NFL, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, obviously with the way, uh, the media works and now how the NFL is. Yeah, the overtime rules were, I guess, inevitable to change. And uh, now I think just in the playoffs, right, it's both teams will get a chance. Uh, yep. It's not that one team can win with a two-point conversion, right? It's like both teams well, get an equal chance. Yeah, each team gets the ball at least once, and then sudden yeah. death is still tied after. Yeah, so field goal or touchdown would work, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so kind of, I mean, kind of like college, but I think even in college you get to keep matching. So yeah. uh, not like that. Um. I mean, initial thoughts, I'm not too opposed to it just because since they didn't do it in the regular season, I completely agree because, again, I pulled up the metrics. In the regular season, 57% of teams will win when they get the coin toss first. That's not enough. That's not enough for me to say, okay, it's unfair advantage. But in the playoffs, I think it's like 10 of 12 teams or something like that uh, in like the last 10 years or something. And that makes sense. Best offenses, right, will represent teams in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it's going to be hard to stop those with momentum, and we saw that uh this postseason um so yeah i'm not opposed to the rule i think it's fine also i'm glad that it's sudden death and there's no continuous matching right like if if the Bengals and the bills are going in overtime and the bills lose the toss they keep going matching back and forth that's just not good obviously it puts wear and tear on the players Mm -hmm. so uh i like it i I think i'm cool with it that was a, a proposition that jack and i had when we talked about it on an episode good yeah so you may be wondering, what does this do? Well, it really depends on the teams and, you know, their coaching philosophies. It really depends. But it could extend a shootout by one touchdown, one extra point apiece before, you know, an ultimate deciding field goal. Or, you know, you could change strategy because let's say we look back uh, at that Bills-Chiefs game. Maybe the Chiefs go for a two-point conversion on their first possession, knowing Buffalo, you know, can only tie. And so – short drive and a Harrison Butker kick wins it. Or maybe Kansas City scores seven points and Buffalo decides to go for a win or lose two-point conversion and win the game. Basically, it, this doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. There was no real perfect solution for this. but Because, look, people are going to find complaints if coaches don't go for two points. Others you know, won't. But it does create drama, um, and it's also going to ensure that nobody such as Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes ever has to, you know, watch from the sideline with his team's fate on the line. So I think it's good for, you know, what, what they had to do. I mean, they were under pressure to really change it. And I think, I think it's a good, a good enough proposal and a good enough fix for this. Yeah. I mean, obviously like if you even consider it though, too, it's like, if like, let's look at that chiefs bills game, right? Fine. The Chiefs score, the Bills score. Well, the Chiefs still have the chance to win it with a field goal now because it's sudden death after, right? So it's like, I mean, people would still kind of be opposed to it a little bit. Uh, but I think, yeah, people just wanted to see the other team on the field to have a chance. I think that's 
that's I think the consensus right there, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is solved in a way, right? We get to see both teams get their shot in overtime. Yep. Um, but honestly, if we're being real, I think there are more problems that are going to arise. Like people are going to want even more change. That's what I'm saying. There's going to be, you know, two sides to this whole thing. And, you know, people are always going to complain. Yeah, it it is what it is. And obviously the NFL is going to respond to those. But again, as I said, right, with the league being more progressive and listening to the media a lot more, safe to say we've seen so much change in the last five years. I mean, what first? Okay. Or actually let's, let's date it back in like, you know, to like the last decade since like 2015, we've had the PAT change, right? Mm -hmm. Move back. We've had the touchback change. We've had the season length change. I mean, the first time in like over 40 years, right? So, and that could be changed again in the future. The playoff playoff bracket has now changed. Right. I mean, it's just so much in the last 10 years, only 10, because the NFL has been pretty constant since, since the 1970 merger. It's been pretty stagnant till 2015, honestly. I mean, the only thing was probably that overtime rule. So yeah, the NFL is building again. We have to remember, this is still a pretty young league um, and there's so many years to come. Uh, So yeah, a little history lesson for you guys there, but um, yeah, that was our touch on the overtime rules. Hopefully we get to see maybe it in effect in the postseason. And honestly, with how narratives are and how storybook endings we see in sports, I have a strong feeling in 2023, the postseason, there's going to be an overtime game where both sides are going to get it. And there's something wrong is going to happen. We're just going to be like, see, see. What yeah, happens? we should have kept it. The, yeah. 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 There's going to be something like that. Um, <laughs> But uh, moving on, uh, we got a couple free agency you know, trades slash signings to kind of round it out. There's there's going to be a little bit of these, you know, sprinkles like Tyron Matthew still has yet to sign. Obviously, he visited the Saints, but, you know, we're probably going to talk about where he goes in the next episode. Maybe a potential Minka breaking the bank deal. Saw that a couple news uh, pages uh, post that. So, uh, but right now, now we're going to talk about Bobby Wagner to the Rams and Devontae Parker to the Patriots. Let's start with uh, Devontae Parker, obviously a, a niche favorite. I don't know if you... For those who are OG fans, how much I used to talk about Devontae Parker, uh, because in 2019 he had 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and he cooked Stephon Gilmore. Do you guys? Do you, I don't know. You remember that, right? Remember the I final game remember. of the season? How much I talked about talking, it? You wouldn't stop talking about yeah, it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop talking about it. So, yeah, that was uh, that was one of my like uh, little. I guess I have my like players, right? And I always talk about certain players for an extended period. Devontae was one of them. So uh, I'll let you give your initial thoughts. Maybe then I'll round it out. Because what was it? A third round pick and a f- Devontae and a fifth for a third round pick. So. Essentially, it's it's a pick swap and a salary dump for the Dolphins. They no longer owe Parker his salaries of six and $6.3 million over the next two years. But for the Patriots, uh, I think it's an easy decision to make this trade based on a few factors. For starters, New England needs more playmakers. Parker, you know, he's been inconsistent and injured throughout his career, but he's only played a full season once and eclipsing 1,000 yards receiving in that same season. Uh, And in that same season, actually, he posted career highs in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So, you know, ability is there. However, Parker's other six seasons have ranged from, you know, average to poor. He's never got more than 800 yards in any other year. He's never caught more than four touchdowns. It's been a struggle to stay on the field. Uh, He's missed 20 games. But, you know, Bill Belichick sees more ability in him, and you only have Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne highlighting the receiver depth chart in New England. So Parker's arrival at that price point makes sense, and if it doesn't work, move on. If it does, you know, the Patriots get a contributor from a division rival who can help Mac Jones take another step forward. And Belichick, you know, he's basically gambling with a low investment 
uh, on a solid upgrade. If it goes bust, fine. If it hits, you know, it's a nice win for them. This is a team in desperate need, you know, of a legit wide receiver one. Could he turn into that? Potentially. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, as a Devontae Parker fan, that that year, the 2019 year, I loved every game that he played. I mean, he had he was the AFC leader in receiving yards actually that year, which is pretty ironic. Um so I think, you know, for the Pats, they get a guy at least who is still kind of young. I I think he's 29. So he's got a couple years left, right? And you're not he's signing him to left. any long-term long-term extension. He was picked, I remember first round 2015. Man, time time really goes, but uh he's what? Like a 63 210 pound guy so you get you get someone who you can line up on the outside a wide receiver one obviously yet to see if he can play like one uh with you know how the afc is kind of loaded with all these corners and players but he's a really talented dude and i think when he was given volume right in that year he made it work and as you said that was his only healthy year so I think it's a good move and you didn't give up that much, right? So it's not like this is a the end of the world type of trade if everything goes wrong. Uh, this is just a little sneaky move that the Pats made and I think it's good, right? Because Parker also knows the Dolphins schemes. Sure, they're going to be outdated with McDaniel coming in, but uh, hey, you take what you can get. Uh, obviously, he knows what defenses Miami ran when they went against him. So just a little bit, you know, every time a division rival goes like that, there's always a little bit of that type of uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, the trade, again, nothing too major, but yeah, I think Devontae Parker has a lot of potential for this team. And again, new situation for a former first round pick. Yep. You know, it could always yeah. work out. He needed uh, it. And, yeah. And also, you know, p- players, when they go to the Patriots, they just, they make it work. And then whenever they, they leave, it's not the same. Um, but yeah, let's switch it up to the defensive side of the ball uh, and into the NFC. Bobby Wagner, uh, a six time first team all pro, definite first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. Uh, is going to an NFC West rival uh, in the LA Rams. Not the Niners, not the Cardinals, who were interested, but the LA Rams. Five years, 50 mil, uh, wearing number 45, not 54. Uh, so why don't you give your initial thoughts because you are a, a NFC West fan. Uh, so yeah, how's it going to feel to still have to play Bobby Wagner, but now for the juggernaut Rams who beat you guys in the NFC Championship? No, oh, you're really rubbing it in. Huh? I, always, I always get my little shot in. If every time... Because that's the one game, Sean McVay, he won the one that mattered. And, uh, yeah, I get to rub it in. All right. Uh, well, Bobby Wagner, he's turning 32, year, uh, 32 years old soon. Basically, the Rams are banking on him holding off father time. But I'm not surprised. Like, I'm not surprised a bit that Los Angeles made this move because they've made a lot of huge swings in recent years. I mean, it goes all the way back to their trade for Jared Goff. Yeah, the Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, Von Miller, Brandon Cooks. And they also signed Odo Beckham, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson this offseason, Leonard Floyd, Andrew Whitworth. Sneed has, you know, he struck out occasionally. You look at that Todd Gurley extension, but I mean, his track record, it's good. And if Wagner works out, I mean, the Rams have another big name stud. So good for Los Angeles. I mean, they always go with this, you know, stars and scrubs approach, but I, I, I just see it as it's not really surprising. And let's see if it works out for them. I mean, yeah, I think the Rams know that they're not in a mode to rebuild. Like, they just, they would not be able to use any draft capital. Any of the guys that they draft would probably not start right now, except to maybe tackle, right? So, I think for them, 
it's just a question of how good can we get right now. And Bobby is definitely better than Ernest Jones. As well as he played in the Super Bowl, Bobby Wagner is a better linebacker than Ernest Jones. So um, I think it's an upgrade. And obviously with what Bobby knows, uh, playing in Pete Carroll's scheme, which uh, now they've switched from a 4-3 to a 3-4, which took a lot of time for Seattle to do. But, you know, Bobby knows his stuff. He knows Pete Carroll really well, again, with that division rival type of thing. Um, and also, again, the Rams are the Rams. Like, they just have so many studs, and you add another one. Uh, I also think the money that they gave, people are, you know, iffy on the money. It's the money that they would have used on Von Miller. It's just Von Miller got a bigger annual contract with the Bills, right? So instead of paying $20 mil a year for an older superstar, they paid $10 mil a year for a superstar that's actually younger and at a more important position of need uh, than Von Miller. So I thought that was a better move. And again, the Rams are going to keep themselves up at the cream of the crop of the NFC. That's another thing. The Rams are finally valuing linebacker. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because they just let go of Littleton. I mean, Littleton was really productive for them. Uh, and yeah, it couldn't be the same on uh, Las Vegas. But uh, let's hope Bobby Wagner keeps his shape with uh, the Rams. And obviously, I think he will. Sure, he's 32, but he's still a top three, uh, you know, Mike linebacker in football. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So that's our little free agency roundup. Uh, we're moving along quickly. We're going to go finally to our over-under segment. I'm going to hand it off to Shrikar to lead it up, give us the five teams, and then uh, how it's going to work, What we uh, like? How, how will the segment work once you take All it? All right. Up. I'm excited. So I have the lines pulled up for five teams that me and Anish picked out, the Colts, the Falcons, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Giants. We're going to go over each of those teams individually. Uh, we'll start with the Colts and with the Giants. We'll just go in that order. Um but yeah, we're going to, I'm going to say the line, I'm going to say the win total, and we're either going to go over or under, we'll give our reasons why, we'll give some analysis, and we'll go from there. So let's start out with the Colts at nine and a half. Um, I'll start off with this one. I'm going to hit, I'm going to say over, I'm going to say over for the Colts here. We've talked about this a while ago, but you know, what do we like about the Colts? They didn't lose much, if anything, this offseason after winning nine games last year, and they added Matt Ryan. And also Indianapolis gets to play a second place schedule instead of a first, which means you avoid the Bills and Bengals and instead you get, you know, teams like the Steelers and Patriots. And also look at their division. Look at the AFC South. I think Indianapolis should go four and two at minimum and they get the NFC East. So not bad. I think they're going to get 10 wins and up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. <laughs> um, I think I've, put in a in our TikTok thing uh, that I think the Colts could be a top five team in the AFC. Not even just in standings because I think they'll win the division, uh, but just in general. Like, they, they have a really good roster. Frank Reich finds ways to win with any quarterback at the helm. Again, he's had four different ones in four years, and he's still uh, had, what, three winning seasons? So it's not like this guy can't coach. Um, and, yeah, again, the division's not that strong. I think the Colts are – Shouldn't be the runaway favorites, but the Titans can't keep winning it. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the year where the Colts overtake them, just because I think Matt Ryan is less volatile uh, than Carson Wentz. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go over. All right, yeah, we're both high on the Colts. So next up, we have the Falcons at five and a half. I'm going to say under. I mean, the Falcons just don't have enough talent, man. I mean, they really just don't have a single – recognizable skill position player on offense outside of Cal Pitts defensively. I love AJ Terrell. I mean, he's one of my favorite corners, but you know, there's not much else. And even at, you know, five and a half wins, that's a pretty low line. 
I really don't think the Falcons hit the over. I'm just not very high on them this year. Okay, this one's tough because I think they are at the cusp of five and six. Like literally, it comes down to that. And here's my thing, right? They went seven and two in one possession games with a rookie head coach, no Calvin Ridley, right, and an aging Matt Ryan, who. Again, I still think we'll play great. It's just on this team, he didn't have anybody to throw to. And you come in with at least Marcus Mariota, who's younger, more dynamic, and at least can throw the ball down the field. Uh, the only thing is, right, I think Zacchaeus is your wide receiver one. And yeah, yeah. I love Kaderil Hodge, KH, Brown, former Brown. But Frank Darby. Yeah, he's not going to – Kaderil Hodge is not going to be your wide receiver too. So I think, okay, barring I, – I think they – you know, hopefully they do draft a receiver if they do. I'm actually willing to go over. I think it just the only problem is there's too many ifs with who they draft. Uh, but the NFC South is technically kind of weak, and I wouldn't. I think they split with the Saints and the um the Panthers. So if I really were to look at it, I think they get six wins. I think they do, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna say over. Okay, interesting. Okay. I, yeah, I don't think I above the over, but it's over. Yeah, I know. I think these are one, like this is one of the teams where you know is not going to make the playoffs, right? Uh-huh. But it's just tough. I I just really I like if Kyle Pitts breaks out, you never know with uh you know how this defense looked towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, also they got two new linebackers in Lorenzo Carter and Rashawn Evans, but yeah. Oh man, it's tough. I I might be regretting it a little bit just because I have them at six, but. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at this roster, and this this team found a way to win seven. Let's right? say they draft Garrett Wilson at eight. Would you say over? Ooh, because that's a real possibility here. Yes. Okay. If and- they okay, all right. There we go. My contingency on it <laughs> is Garrett Wilson over. No Garrett Wilson under. There we go. Okay, there we go. The so, OSU, all right, I know I'm not allowed to do that, but the OSU yeah, contingency. I, there it is. Yeah, how about uh, that? Yeah, up. that's. <laughs> All right, yeah, my Ohio State contingency. How about that? Is awesome. that, uh, is right. that we'll, fair? Am I allowed we'll, to do that? We'll go with it. It's okay, a little perfect. iffy, but we'll cool. go with it. But um, next up is the New England Patriots at eight and a half. I'm going to say under. I mean, you look at the rest of the AFC. The Patriots, outside of, you know, trading for Devontae Parker, they did nothing this offseason. They watched J.C. Jackson sign with the Chargers. In their own division, the Dolphins and Bills both improved with the Bills being the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I I mean, New England is basically hoping Mac Jones continues maturing, but that really may not be enough considering they still don't have a legit wide receiver one pending Devontae Parker and a defense, which just lost to one of its best players. So look, Bill Belichick is a wizard. You know, he could figure out a way, but I'm going to say under eight and a half is pretty big for this team. I think the biggest thing that happened last year uh, in the AFC East was that playoff game uh, because the Bills finally said, hey, like, this is our division now. Like, Mm -hmm. they finally asserted themselves as the clear top dogs in this division. And, um, you know, going forward, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they swept them for the next three years. Like that, that's really how confident I am in Buffalo. Uh, so I have the Pats actually going third in the division right now. I really do think the Dolphins leaped them with Tyreek Hill. I, I and I, you know, I've already always said receivers aren't the, the most important position, but when you get a guy like this who just fits so well with their scheme, 
I got to move him above. So yeah, I got the Pats around eight wins, uh, which is under eight and a half. So yeah, I'm going under. Okay, interesting. So both on the same page, uh, barring that OSU contingency with the Falcons, got two more teams left here. The New Orleans Saints at seven and a half wins. You know what? I'm going to say over. The Saints aren't a great team. I mean, right now they have a quarterback combo of Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton with Winston starting unless. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about Dalton. Yeah, they got Dalton. Yeah. So Winston starting unless, unless he needs more rehab time coming after that torn ACL. Depends what they do in the draft. However, New Orleans has a good defense. Their division is literally a train wreck. I mean, we just talked about the Falcons. The NFC South is just terrible. So even with their limitations across the roster, the Saints should be able to handle the Falcons and Panthers. If they can, you know, find another four to five wins on the slate, they cash the over. So, you know what? I'll bet on them. I, I think they'll get eight wins or more. All right. I think you just sold me on pu- fully putting the Falcons at an under. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fully put them at – like, I'm going to fully put them at an under here just because uh, as much as I love Garrett Wilson – yeah, I mean, you know, I, I always tell myself, let's let's pick a side. So, yeah, okay. Sorry, it took me like 10 minutes to finally come around. But, uh, yeah, for the Saints, I was actually going to go over as well. Um, I love Dennis Allen. I, he's my favorite coordinator in football uh, defensively. And, yeah, you said it. They have a great roster still. Look, I want to put another contingency on Tyron Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I, I think they still get uh, – because what, what is it again? Seven and a half? Yeah. Seven and a half. I think they – they get eight or more uh just because again yeah the division is weak and we've seen them have tom brady's number right so it's not like they can't win one if not both uh because they did it with trevor simeon and they just the same i don't know it's it's weird for me right like it's weird for me to say the saints are just a bad team they're not the roster is still really good sure they lost breeze and payton but you know it's hard not to look at their personnel and um yeah I, I'm, I'm confident they can get eight or more especially in the nfc like yeah i just like you know the bears are not better than the saints right like i feel like i I feel like the saints would be a second place team in every division except the nfc west yeah that's a fair take uh final team here the new york giants and their win totals at seven so i'm gonna switch it up here i'm gonna say you can't push so you gotta go over or under here i'm gonna say under the giants have replaced joe judge with brian dayball as a head coach and you know that's almost guaranteed to be an upgrade however Mr. Daniel Jones is still the quarterback and not many teams did less in free agency than New York. So not very impressed from them there. So in a division that is both weak and yet somewhat improved, I guess, I don't, I don't really see the argument for the giants improving their win total by a lot of games. It's tough to do unless you're, you know, a really strong believer that Brian Dable is the next great head coach. Uh it, this one's a little tough, but I, I'm, I'm going to say under here. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I have, okay, okay. All right. I'm very tempted to still, uh, I believe in Daniel Jones. I always have, and I still will because he hasn't gotten a fair shot. He just hasn't. I haven't seen a fair shot given to this man. That being said, because I think they're going to get a tackle in the draft, no doubt. And they're going to get a good defensive piece in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. What I see here is a 6-11 and 11 team. That's literally what I see right now. But that's not to say they don't have potential, especially with Dable under, uh, under center in terms of coaching. So, again, yeah, this is definitely Daniel's make-or-break year. I think DJ, if he doesn't 
uh, show something, like just anything, right? Or, you know, it could be two games of just a great stretch, right? If he doesn't show any of that, right? Like, for example, Kenny Galladay will probably be gone if he doesn't do it. They'll get out of his deal somehow, right? And their offensive line, you need to get somebody, right, alongside Andrew Thomas. It's it's just this this Giants team has just been so up and down that you just can't – it's hard to put faith in them. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go under as well. Uh, oh, so we didn't guy. we didn't differ at all. On those I mean, I wanted the, I wanted to differ on Atlanta. I really did. Um, with you still the, have time, you can. Yeah. I just I can't I can't you know as much as I if if they had had uh, um Baker Mayfield maybe uh, <laughs> I would have, but uh, nah they got Marcus Mariota who yep. won a playoff game on the road, um, but he did remember yeah, that that did. twenty that eighteen point comeback. At Kansas City, that caused them to switch yeah. to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but uh, no, nah, I, th- I think I'm I'm confident going under. Uh, even if Garrett Wilson comes to Atlanta, which would be really ironic if it does, because uh, stay tuned. We got some we got some mock drafts on the way. But yeah, that was a fun segment. Yeah. Even though we didn't we didn't disagree. We okay. I mean, I was I was tempted to throw out there the Jaguars over under. Remember? Yeah. Six and a half. Oh, I'm willing to like. I know last year I said over, and um, I regretted it once I saw Urban Meyer with the whole strength and conditioning coach. But this year, like, we got some content on the way. I'm sorry I've been so busy. But, look, Trevor Lawrence, it's just, you know, it's a take of mine that coaches are so heavily involved in quarterback stats just because of how plays are drawn up. Players are schemed open, and people need to realize that. And last year, Trevor Lawrence, with what he was dealing with, just was not a pro-ready offense. Mm-hmm. And I think with Doug Peterson, there's potential. So Jags were at six and a half. I'm sure you got the under, don't you? Uh, it, you know, it's, oh, I'll say this, it's tougher than last year. But um, I like Doug Peterson as a head coach for the Jags. I think they're marginally better. I don't think they're, you know, a seven plus win team yet. So I'll still say under. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. My hot take for the Jags this year was not seven wins. It was that they would split with the Titans. That was my that was my take coming in ever since the season ended and they got dug. Um I, I I'm really I would not be shocked if this team won seven games. I really would not. I really like, I wouldn't be either. Like <laughs> like if you watch how they played against the Colts, that was one of the most like that was a really impressive win. Yeah. Right? I mean, they looked like a really solid team. Mm-hmm. They outplayed them both sides of the ball. They manhandled them in the trenches on both ends. I wouldn't like if that's the football I'm getting from them. Well, let's see. I mean, that, that's a whole different situation. That's week 18. I mean, it's the final week of the season. So anything can happen. Obviously, they wanted to upset their division rival right there. So I don't know. They'll yeah, be it's, better. I mean, they're a lot team. asking when Christian Kirk is your receiver one. But hey, it's yeah. an upgrade. I know people are mad at the money, but at least it's an upgrade. Like, Okay, and, uh, and, and yeah. for Jacksonville, I feel bad because they have to overpay. They have to. No one wants to go there. So, you know, it's just yeah, people hate on the money. I do too, but you have to, like, you just have to simply give the money for it. So, I guess yeah, so. it was a little. I guess we gave a six team there. Yeah, um, but, and we uh, still we well we differed there, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, to wrap this episode up, we had a little you know quick segments here and there. Let us know your thoughts on uh, all our topics, especially the. I guess I'm most interested to see in the over under for Jacksonville. I think that's probably the one I'm most interested to hear from you guys. 
Uh, also, you know, let us know about your thoughts on the overtime rules. That one too, because mm-hmm. I guess we both agreed on it, but is there any, like, are there people out there who just don't like it, uh, you know, and wanted it to stay the same? So let us know in the comments below. We've got some more content coming on the way, especially on our Instagram too. We're going to do a couple posts. Uh, I'm going to get started on that right away. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, scouting reports will be on the way. I saw a couple comments on that. I'm still working on it. Uh, this just motivated me to keep going. Um, but uh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. We've been the Cold Heart Truth NFL podcast, uh, and we will see you next time.